Go to cameras. Dead ass. <laughs> Dead ass. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm Michelle. And I'm Veronica. Welcome to our podcast. I don't know, to be honest, a safe space for people who do not be knowing. So, Michelle, I realize like this is our first ever thing our first ever podcast Mazeline mm-hmm. is taking us long enough yeah it's about time bruh like I think like everybody like you know starting your YouTube channel it's like oh everybody has told me to start YouTube everybody has told me to to, to put my voice on podcast and that's why we're here not knowing and being safe in this not knowingness absolutely you know how many times i've actually had a couple of friends that go why don't you have your own channel why don't you have your own um uh actually i've been told to start youtube for a while mm. um and that's because i have just a very imaginative mind and it's just like people it's interesting sometimes people say it's very entertaining to hear me speak because i'll be chatting a lot of stuff i know nothing about so i think this is quite fitting yes. um yes. and yeah so here we are finally doing it doing the doing doing the things um, that need to be done absolutely how are you feeling today veronica you know what i'm i like i've just had a bit of a conversation with one of my friends like she's going through some things um and i just i'm just having like you know i'm just feeling very reflective but i'm just really proud of her because she's she's just been a person that always keeps the essence of themselves true (laughs) in everything that they do and i think that's like you know very apt how are you feeling michelle I am feeling I'm, I'm, I'm feeling entertained by sequences that unfold in my life. Yeah. Um, feeling I'm also feeling quite reflective. Yeah. Um, I'm also feeling I'm feeling quite like open. I think mm. I'm feeling very transparent. I'm feeling like yeah, I've been I've had a good conversation um with with my girl and uh, yeah. it's been great. It's been yeah, we're just doing the thing. Yeah, just be doing thing, and this is. A, I feel like I'm in a good space to have a nice back and forth oh. and dialogue. She said so. dialogue. Oh, okay. Um, hi guys. <laughs> so <laughs> this is like literally just going to be silliness from me and Michelle. So please expect that if you're coming onto our podcast and welcome. Um, this is the space to be. Um, so I guess because for many of you, you might not know who Michelle and I are. Uh, so I guess we sh- could start today with an introduction with like both of ourselves and I kind of speak to our friendship and how we've gotten to know each other and stuff like that so Michelle I'm passing over the mic to you who are you um is this thing on screaming, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Um, so, uh, of course, my name is already out there. So I'm Michelle. I'm mm. a 20-something-year-old. Some might take, you know, late 20s. I'm in my mid-20s. I'll give you an answer to um, <laughs> I am a health professional. Um, I am a proud Black woman trying to figure out her life, you know, mm. trying to be the best version of myself. Mm. I'm in the stage where I'm about growth. Um, mm. physically because I'm trying to be fine AF mm-hmm. um, and also mentally emotionally and spiritually so yeah I dabble in 
a lot of things actually but my main passions are music and fitness because I'd be running away from my troubles I have done <laughs> kilometers of running this quarantine period um and yeah I'm just about my yeah just this is kind of a you guys will find out as we go along what I'm about mm. I won't talk too much because you guys don't have the time for that um but yeah I hope I've given a good summary love it um, Michelle said she is here <laughs> and she said she's healthy she also said I'm she's healthy. an escapist <laughs> but she's you see, you see, she, she, she said escape room. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, that's Michelle. Like you? me, similarly, I am a twenty-something. Um, te- I was going to say twenty-something teenager. Imagine, I'm a twenty-something-year-old um, black woman living in London. Hmm? I said, believe me, so sis, twenty-something teenager. Bruh. I'm a 20-something teenager living in London. Um, I am... I'm I'm a bit of everything. I always like to say, when people ask me who I am, I think it's really... I think that's a really deep question. But I always answer it with, like, what I like the most. So I really like community. I really like building a sense of community, which is, again, I think one of our main reasons for developing this podcast. But I also love community be it with my friends my loved one my um my family mm, on, on good days <laughs> but it's like developing a sense of community in that sense so I think I'm a community-based person I'm also somebody that just can be serious um I always get people always get the vibe that when they see me pon road I'm like a serious unserious human being which is you know my aim my aim is to look serious but be unserious but you know Yazim, Yazim. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so that's a bit about me. Um, so Michelle, like, I guess we could speak a bit about how we got to know each other. Um, what was our like, you know, you know, how did we, how did we, how did this friendship come uh, about? History. Uh, history. So our um, history. Uh, our okay. history. Our Dynamic women. <laughs> Exactly, absolutely, our history. So, our history. Um, this actually, this might even give you more of an insight into what we're, you know, us mm. as individuals as well as um, as as friends. Um, so we met about we're in twenty twenty. It was twenty twelve. So eight years ago, mm. um, or so, just short of eight years ago, we time were, really flies when your life is falling apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so we went like eight years ago, you know, mm-hmm. I was sending an email because we ha- I had received an email from my university to be, by the way, to be, highlight to be, that um, they do not have accommodation for us because we have been, the course that we went on to was oversubscribed and for about 24 mm-hmm. of us, we're going to need to find our own space to live, starting university in a new city. So obviously I'm like, right, so, okay, I have 10 days, uni, uni starts in 10 days um, and we don't have a place to live. And they're like, okay, so here's the email list of all the people that also did not get accommodation. Please be acquainted with each other and, you know, help yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to draft an email to all the people that I thought were <clears throat> black mm-hmm. and um, just, hey, y'all, um, we don't, we all, we're in the same boat, let's just um, 
let's live together. Let's try and live together. And Veronica happened to be in the list of emails and she responded with, hi, I may have asked her, like I was looking for other women to live with. Mm. Um, and she said, uh, quote unquote, hi, I am Veronica and I am a female. Um, and I remember just thinking, this girl's interesting. Um, <laughs> because the way she sent that message was amazing. Um, but that's basically how we got to, first of all, speak to each other. Mm. Um, and then fast forward um, through the years, we ended up living with each other for um, pretty much most of the four out of the five years at university so that was yeah. great um, yeah Veronica what was your insights Veronica would have she would have some shady things to say beware I'm not shady <laughs> I, 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 I believe that the truth of what happened was what happened so as I said Michelle my running series Michelle overwhelmed me with friendship no Michelle overwhelms me with friendship like um, I'm very, I'm very timid. I'm very to myself. I'm very, um, this is all a lie. I'm none of these things, but like, none of these things, but I can, um, you know what? I actually behave like a cat. That's the best way to say it. So, you know, like with a cat, if you give a cat too much and then the cat will then be saying to you like, oh my gosh, back it up, like back it up. Like, what are you doing? Like, I will come to you in my own time. Stop stop oppressing me with your love you know so I'm very much a cat um and so and so um yeah I sent that message to Michelle like hello my name is Veronica and I am female and I just remember ending I looked back on that email like a while ago and that I just ended it in a rant I'm like I can't believe this university done this to us why the hell are we in this position <laughs> what does this mean oh, yeah. I, and i was already upset because i didn't get the grades i wanted so this was just insult to injury yeah, it was like asking on the cake honestly the uh, on the cake. it was insult but, um, to injury and um and so like anyway so like I, my story with michelle is that um when she first met me we had like a little taster session on our course and they got everyone together you know everybody's coming from new cities and no one knows each other so they got everybody together and i just remember like gathering with all the black people <laughs> all the black people in the room I just put them in a room but then Michelle I don't know Michelle wasn't in our kind of group and I wasn't so, and I have to say let me just detour I have to say I was a bit of a loner yeah, I no, she was. with my boyfriend at the time I was very much like me and him were doing our own thing so although like he was not in my university so I remember after even after everything I didn't stay behind you know sometimes you stay behind to socialize I was out which I was doing from 959 I'm already on the line to my boyfriend at the time <laughs> Guys, if you're listening, <laughs> honestly, if you're listening and you're from uni, like, and you're in your uni years, please do not do not spend, bruh. We have stories. Do not spend your university experience being oppressed by men. Like, go on that journey. <laughs> go on that journey and live free. Um, cleave, cleave yourself before. Cleave yourself. Cleave <laughs> yourself before and live your life with your growth in university unentangled by your past. Oh, find yourself, even though you'll probably find depression and anxiety at the same time because university is wild. Um, <laughs> wild, but still find yourself. Um, but no, so anyway, so that uh, we had that little session, like this little taster session. 
and they brought everybody together um and at the end of the session i just remember walking out of the the hall and then people were gathered outside the hall and the hall was kind of in the outside and i don't know how but michelle came up to me she was like you're veronica aren't you i remember this and i was like <laughs> like my first thought was just like god <laughs> guys if you see what's the word she was i wouldn't even she was was hesitant i was so hesitant i was like "Mm?" (laughs) she looked at me like okay this is too you know like how i would compare it is you know like maybe if we saw a celebrity that we were a fan of right Mm. and we went with all our big energy with our oh my god you're this sign my paper sign autograph me me. yeah she was very much like hold on (laughs) (laughs) thing, but her eyes said we need to back up. <laughs> back up. <laughs> I was like, um, yeah. She was like, you live next to me, don't you? Because we lived off campus at the time. And I was like, where do you live? And she told me where she lived. And I was like, oh, I live on the road, like, at the other side. She was like, okay, like, come, let's go home together. You make me sound so... No, 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 no. I literally remember going okay bye guys <laughs> and then that was the start of the overwhelm That's of not- friendship like, I, was, <laughs> I just remember each one of my each one of my neurons firing <laughs> like sense touch smell taste <laughs> guys this is michelle energy now nah, michelle michelle has like great big woman energy like lovely big woman energy and like very warm, very loving, very extroverted, like the most extroverted person. And I thought I was extroverted. Then I came to uni and I met you and I'm like, nah, B, I'm an introverted extrovert, like on the best day. You know, like, nah, it's like beautiful, beautiful, like a- amazing eight years of friendship, you know, um, amazing eight years of friendship. Pardon? I just want to point out that you see how things have, like, like that's the thing. It started. We had a blip. Way, we, yeah, <laughs> we had a few blips. It started off just letting you know, like, you see how our friendship has really, really grown. So I think I would say I'm a blessing um, to Veronica. Like, she didn't know, I'm a blessing. She didn't know that she needed Lolling period. <laughs> period. <laughs> but on the topic of Veronica as well, like, she is very. I've never, and I, and I say this, there's a reason I call this girl my person, because I've never met somebody who is accepting. She gives, like, she's so accepting, she's so loving, she's so, she's critical, but she's, like, I don't, you know when someone tells you about yourself, but you still, they, they do it with love, like, you know that it's always coming from the right place, you know that, so she's like a, a friend that, advises supports mothers and she does she fills a lot of roles and it's just like i know that i can always be my most authentic self around her and i've and i think it's very rare to come across people like that people that you don't feel like you need to hide yourself from you know that accept you in the truest form of you so it's a sisterhood man it's a sisterhood i know sometimes it's hard to swallow me but she'd be swallowing <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Tuesday. That was that. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> you? yeah, that's the introduction to us. Yeah, that's an introduction to us. So we've been friends for eight years, and we always have like really, really interesting conversations. Um, so we just thought a best way to do this will be online. So online and through the podcast. 
So what you can expect from us, um, don't hold me to this. Like if we can do it, we can do it. If we don't end up doing it, we don't end up doing it. Just carry what you can carry. But as we said, I don't know, to be honest, it's a space for us to get to like explore our lives and explore things and intersections that might have happened to us in a new lens and trying to figure out like why these things happened. A bit like a microcosm of the conversations Michelle and I would have anyway. If we have any like key facts or any cool tidbits that we've learned, um, we will put them on our Instagram, which is I don't know, to be honest, pod. So I don't know, TBH pod. Please do follow us on there. Um, and we'll put any facts or any like key bits of learning because ultimately we're both like um, we're like science geeks by nature. Um, scientists are like naturally quite research, like naturally quite research based. So yeah. hopefully that's something we want to bring into this podcast. So it's not just you know you listening and having a good time listening. You're learning something as well. So that's gonna be gooch. It's gonna be dead gooch. Yeah. So um in the past few weeks i guess we could start by talking about you know the evident don't want to call it the race war but it feels like a, a civil war um that is going on in the outside god bro god knows what's gonna what's gonna what's happening at the time that we publish this podcast but mm-hmm. you know we've had the death of george floyd in the u.s that has cascaded the biggest civil rights movement in history um pioneered by a kind of enter systematic and systemic racism uh through police brutality that's what kind of people in america particularly want to bring light to um as you might hear from our accents we're from the uk so um (laughs) in the uk the way the riots protests etc are positioned is kind of more so in a way that excuse me wait a minute excuse me pardon you uh pardon me um it's kind of more so in a way that we are looking trying to be a bit more critical of britain's role and association in systematic and institutional racism which is interesting this is interesting i don't know if you want to start there or do you want to go somewhere else no we can start there we can start with yeah, I'm happy to, to start there, to have an open dialogue about this. So mm-hmm. it seems as though, um, <clears throat> you know, you'd hear a lot of people and actually my my um, my um, pastor is complicit in, 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 um, in, was complicit in this sort of um, situation where mm-hmm. um, he was like, why do I have to, you know, he was, he was on a platform where he could have said something about mm-hmm. it, you know. And it's, it was very obvious that this is a, a way, the way a lot of people, how ignorant a lot of people are to the um, fact that racism is a very, it's, it's a pandemic. It's not something that you can just say, like this situation, you know, the whole d- racial disparity is something that happens everywhere in the world. And actually, unless maybe you're not, if you're not completely or directly um, affected by it, you may think, well, no, we're, so like, we're not like that here. Maybe mm. you're not, you've not, seen the violence that ensues um as a result of racism you're like you know it's not like that here you know just because of that so he had a platform to say something and he ended up saying oh that's an american issue Mm, how does that make you feel it was very i i mean i'm a bit touch it I, I try not to touch on certain subjects in certain contexts because it's just like I really just don't want to be the person that's going to be bringing discourse mm. um but in that moment it was just like wow you're a leader 
mm. who chairs or pastors a church that is actually you you're the UK, Hillsong UK, yeah. Mm. Um and she said she's putting names to faces. Yeah, no, no, no. It's 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 everywhere. So it's not mm. even something that if you're listening to this, you've probably heard it. Oh damn. Um, and it was kind of you had yeah, yeah, you you, you had a platform to say something and what you said just showed how um ignorant i guess the world is to the situation on ground it's like almost like you think that it's it's something that's happened in history it's just history why are we having to hash up the problems now why is it a big deal now so um i think one thing i've really learned is that a lot of people really don't be knowing yeah people Um, don't be knowing they literally don't know to be honest yeah, they don't know they don't know the extent to which it affects um mm. us um and actually that one thing that we need to do where we need to start is actually by educating ourselves mm. um and hoping that people actually take this opportunity to educate themselves as well you know mm. um and hopefully that can cascade down i think everyone needs to be aware of what's happened and how actually it's not a problem with the past that we've completely moved past it's actually still a very a very we've we've like with development and civilization we found a more civilized way to yeah, be exactly. oppressing people <laughs> exactly bruh like everything changes everything yeah. changes i think it's like Obviously, I don't, um, y'all gonna know about, a bit about me, but I don't be going to churches. Um, so I don't, like, yeah, participate in that type of way of worshipping God. But I think it's, how did you feel? Because, yo, it's kind of like an interview, but we move. Um, how did you feel, as in, like, in terms of someone like, in, like, that's a religious leader that's saying this stuff? Because for me, personally, I'm like, yo, like, Jesus literally is flipping tables in the temple. He is speaking out on the injustice that's done to people. Like, I don't know my Bible that well, but I know that there are, when I say that well, I mean in terms of exactly knowing that, you know that there were different, uh, not races, but different ethnicities of people within Jesus' yeah. time, right? And Jesus still spoke out for all of them. Be, yeah. be them Jews, be them believing in what he believed in. Be, he, he literally was like, I'm a, I'm a people's person. I'm here for, yeah. I'm here for all you hoes. You mm-hmm. hoes, my hoes, you know? It, and so I don't know how that makes you feel, like, if that's a religious leader thing to start. It made me feel, I think at the time, it just made me feel unseen. It made me feel like if you, I feel like someone like you who has managed to get so high up in leadership, mm. I feel like, maybe you haven't taken the time you know how like sometimes when you're so high up you're not too bothered about who's at the bottom mm. that makes sense like mm. you're it just it just genuinely felt like you don't truly you haven't truly connected with the people that you pastor you have mm. not and maybe i want i want to say is it the fact that we haven't actually like made it an issue within the church we haven't brought it up because that's another thing like a lot of us are very nervous about or yeah, a bit uncomfortable with sharing with with bringing something that makes you know like racism. The reason why a lot of people say like I feel offended. A lot of the reason why a lot of like white people are offended is because they just it's really uncomfortable being called a racist. Okay. It's uncomfortable mm. calling that racism. Mm. 
Mm. So we haven't done much of like calling it out, maybe in, in, in a church setting, because in your, in your mind, you're thinking this is a place where we come to worship, we're all one, but then we just leave or we disperse and we're all different again. We're all, you know, divided by how, how many divisions we are. But in that hour and a half, we're all one you know so it's maybe not something that's been brought to the forefront um mm. as an issue and it's not something that we because we don't like to polarize in church you know mm. it's not an area it's not you don't want to be bringing discourse in the church you know mm. church is supposed to be a piece of place of worship so i guess it just kind of made me feel like are you equipped enough to do this um, mm. if you don't pastor a church that has a significant proportion of black people yeah I mean, he did come later on and actually you know and i genuinely saw the awakening and mm. i think that that that's what taught me that people really need to they need the education they need it to be shoved down their throats it's like yeah. you need to know more about this mm. because if you don't like it's like for me i can't how how can you expect me to take an interest in something that doesn't in any way can affect me or concern me but i, I think, think that's where i don't know because sorry for interrupting you but like i think that's where things are a bit that's where the argument gets a bit crinks because one thing I've realised about this week is it's not that like I understand that there's a there's actually a conversation to be had about how black people, especially like marginalised people, discuss like black people and especially well marginalised black people call out people that are in positions of power because you don't feel empowered enough to do so. We are in the era of like black squares and platitudes from like major corporations that aren't treating the black people inside their corporations well mm. oh excuse me i had prosecco before this call and like i'm really burpy not not cool before this recording i'm very very burpy <laughs> so my apologies but i think there's a, like a really good conversation to be had about that um about like the treatment of black people within your establishment but i also do feel as though it should not be normal to you it should not be It should not be normal to you that everybody that's sitting at a leadership role looks like you, but the society as a whole, as a wider whole, right, is not representative of you. Like, it is it's not like looking like the people that are just at that level. That should not be normal to you. Like, it shouldn't be normal to you. I understand that, like, in the context of the UK, in general, like, Black people only make up, I think, 14 or 13.7 or 13, 13 or 14% of the population in the UK. Obviously, the UK is naturally a British white country. Like, you're going to have majority white people, like, everywhere you go that isn't, like, necessarily a major city. And that's not the argument I'm having. I'm having the argument of people don't necessarily have a critical look on themselves because there's a difference between I think the lot of the conversation that's been had has been like covert versus overt and one one thing I've got from you know having people articulate like racist or microaggressions or misogynoir that they've experienced through really really well thought out Instagram infographics can I say like really well thought out infographics it's had me reliving like bits of myself or bits of stories friends have told me and I realized I'm like bro you know like all of this like racism that you're telling me is over is literally you know covert is all over like, that's a very overt form of racism if somebody's asking you what have you done with your head that is very overt that is not covert, that is overt. The difference yeah. is that is normalized. 
And when you have a conversation about normalize now, you can start having a conversation about accountability. When you start having account a conversation about accountability, you can start having a conversation about the role you play. Because people think this system, this system isn't like a, this system isn't, isn't a blob that like, no one takes part on it's not like the it's not like you know uh invisible thing that no one can see no one can touch we can literally influence this shit you can either prop it up or you can take it down one of the two and i, I have think, a question yeah by the question way question me because like so um you know when we say like oh yeah it's because a lot of this normalized and one thing that was actually like quite recurring um, in the conversation. So there was a whole open conversation about this whole thing with the, you know, I don't mean to center around the past, but then I think that was the first time I really saw that, yes, there was a lot of ignorance there, not by choice, maybe just kind of like a very passive, you know, when you're quite passive to the things that were there. It was not that I choose to be ignorant, like the Tommy Robinson type of I choose not to see the other the other side, you know. This is what I'm seeing. I want to I want to be one dimensional or mm. two dimensional or whatever. You know? Um it was very much like I really didn't know. I really didn't deep. I really didn't think. You know, mm. and it's very much like, okay, right. So do you and the thing is, right, in that moment it was like the questions how did that make you feel what have you done and a lot of the theme was everything's been normalized so do you think that we haven't and i know this this might sound weird is there a chance that we maybe haven't made as much of a, we haven't made as much noise as we should have i i think i disagree about and the whole things that are that are um um normalized yeah i disagree you, you know you know why i say i disagree because Anyway, no, God knows. No, 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 it's no. A question. I, oh, question. Okay, question. Yeah. But like, I would say, hmm. You see what happened when like black people realized that we have the mic for once. All of a sudden, all of us got up on that stage and we said, "Let me recount my story. <laughs> this is my story. This is my song." Because for the mm. first time ever, we felt empowered. Not that like we're not talking into thin air. We're talking so someone is actually listening. Yes. And I think that's a difference. Like the difference is it's like all of this stuff that black people been saying, we've been saying it to each other. We've been knowing it to each other. It's the same type of conversation you have like when you're in a like predominantly white environment, be it work, be it a gym, be it something and something crinkum happens and you just shoot the other black person a look. Or like you're in like literally like you know you're in prep, you're in a work environment, like and then something happens, you just shoot the other black person a look and you know instantaneously. You know what has gone on. We be knowing, we be yeah, knowing. We have been knowing to each other. Have we been, you know, like now we are stomp, we're actually like stomping so loudly as in it's not, it's not, we're not just acting each other now. We're making, and I know of course, it sometimes it takes a tragedy for people to just be like, you know what, right? I am breaking, the, I'm, I'm breaking past these ropes. I'm breaking past the red tape. The, yeah, I'm break, breaking past bureaucracy. I am the noise needs to be made. I'm no longer, I'm no longer doing this within the remnants of my house now. Now mm. we're a bit more brazen. There's a lot more, um, we're a lot more antagonized. I mean, we've always been antagonized, but now mm. it's like, there is a lot of noise about this. I think that, for example, why have you changed your hair? Or, oh, your hair looks nice, or the touching of the hair, only all the mm. microaggressions that we go through mm. in the workplace, that we be knowing to each other. Like, we be mm. looking at each other like, oh my God, like they actually say this. You go and talk to your, your next black neighbor and colleague. But, have we been doing enough? Is there, is there a chance that we've normalized a lot of things? Not normalized, we normalize to each other. So we flag it up with each other, but we don't yeah. pull out that in front of the whole office and say, why are you this asking me that it. question? 
Yeah, I feel as if it's think like... it's a chance that we've been, we've normalised yeah. it to a point that maybe we've been quiet about it yeah, for too long. I, I feel like, like it... Ignorant so to because we, you never, you never told me that, that it's offensive mm-hmm. to ask me if your yeah. hair is... Yeah, I, mean? I get, you know what, in, in like two, in two, in two aspects, I get your question and I feel like... Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if it's a case of that we haven't been stomping enough, because I do feel like we, like, in, in general, Black people have been stomping, it's just whether we're heard, that's different. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, like, this is how the system of racism works. Like, it's so genius that it doesn't actually need people to be aware of what they're doing in order for it to be something that upholds the system. And, like, also, likewise, like... Um, it might be, for example, you might have a black person in the workplace and then people are constantly asking them questions of their hair and they, it's that they feel uncomfortable. They're very aware of the position that they're being put in, but they feel very uncomfortable with saying like, look, I don't feel comfortable with this because people might be asking from what might be seeming as a innocent space. Like, remember there was like this, like a while back, there was this like video that went around of this black woman and she was in the office and she came up with her hair in an afro and all of these white people were gathering around her and wanting to touch her hair and asking her questions of her hair. And it was so uncomfortable to watch, but like another black person in the office who I think is actually a snake in the first place, took a video of it and put it online and said, look at this coon. Do you remember that or? Mm -mm. It was a ting. It was a ting. Jackie Aina even explored it in one of her makeup videos. And like, she was just like, in one half, like, it's easy to say to this girl, look at this, you're, but do you know how it feels to be in that environment where, you know, bruv, we know how much we talk each other up to just wear our hair to work? Because even though people are well-meaning, the questions you're going to get asked just by your hair being out, you're very aware that your hair is a political statement. You're very aware of what the Afro brings. You're very aware of, like, how natural hair has been politicised and essentially demonised through years in society. You're very aware of the statement you take by bringing it out even if even though it's like oh your hair looks nice to you you're kind of caught off guard because you're just like oh my god (laughs) yeah what is this (laughs) again i I think any time like even when i went this week this whole i've been rocking my natural hair as you said as a political statement yeah um because honestly i've honestly i've been rocking and the thing is right if anybody else of any, as far any, a black person could be like, oh my God, I love your hair like this. I don't even blink. I'm not, thanks babe, thank you, mm. thank you. When it comes from anybody outside the black race. Even I though they're well-meaning, you, you literally, you second guess it. You're like, why the fuck are you talking about my hair? It. And I'm like, why, you know, oh, mm. and they look at it and like, oh, well, and it's, you know, sometimes I even see the discomfort in their eyes when they compliment me about it. Cause like, they don't want me to take it as a thing. But yeah. they also want to make compliments. So it's like, where do we normal? Where do we? Where does it come to a point where it's just it's normal? Like it's just oh, I like hair like this. It's just the same way I like. But I don't think. I, let me not lie. I feel as if that point is coming in hundreds of years of time. And the reason why I say that is because <laughs> no, I'm being genuinely serious. Like we still have like look, 2019 or 20. Do I sound like a robot? Because I feel like I sound like a robot. You don't, don't worry. Yeah, no, 20, 2019, 20, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm remembering from the quiz. From the, from the quiz. Okay, so 2019 in California, that's when the Crown Bill was passed. Like, just for example, like, the Crown Bill in California meant that, like, it banned employees from discriminating against people's natural hair. And that was 2019, as in last year. Hmm? 
employers or employees? Isn't it employers? employers from discriminating against their employees natural hair so they couldn't say okay you can't wear cane rows you can't wear dreads you can't wear braids you can't have your hair in an afro because you know they'll be saying they'll be using coded language like oh this is unkempt this is unprofessional this is this is black (laughs) so (laughs) this is a nigger hair (laughs) so um (laughs) that's essentially what it is my head. Don't, don't be too black here. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Um, so, uh, like that act was literally just passed in what 2019. So I still think we're still at the really, really early stages. Like it's in our lifetime, like both of our lifetimes, that like we've had natural hair journeys. We've had to literally unlearn what things mean for our hair so we then can't even ask the question of like when are, when will our hair not be political because we're still in the stage of reclaiming back the politics for our hair you are very right you're mm. very right you know like just, it's, it's still about, here um about the anti-lynching bill um because that one to me just really like that's how that's to tell you like how how long how long <laughs> we've been inching that's that's actually like as in that's why the concept of that change of seeing being on the other end of change just seems like you know maybe maybe when i have my great grandchildren you know the post change post change type of vibes as in like we still have a long way to go because there are so many people in this world that have been inbred this ignorance this hate this violence Supremacy, violence, mm. it's just like it's years and years and years and de- like generationally. So it's like, unless there's a Noah's Ark type of station. L- literally, yeah, unless Jesus happens. comes down and then the archangels say, we need to get the fuck ASAP. <laughs> Change. We, we, I honestly, think there, it's going to be years. Exactly. It's going to be years. Just even Generations. Specific. Let's just be and centuries to be describing <laughs> it. But it was just like deep in the other day. And I, I, someone tweeted it and I was laughing about this because I was like, it was really funny, but it made me realize that, it, you know, it's, what is it? So the Diet Anti-Lynching Bill, which was actually passed in 2018, yeah? Mm. 2018, when it mm. said that, what was it? So, da, 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 da. and someone tweeted that, oh, do you mean to tell me I've been walking around lynchable? As in, <laughs> they have, and I've never, I really laughed for such a long time because it was shocking that actually oh. someone could have done this and they'll be looking for what sort of prosecution they're going to be using against him now. Mm. Which type of prosecution? Like you, you actually have to have a bill against. Before, lynching. before you say, yeah, we shouldn't really be lynching them, blackies. Before you say, we shouldn't. Now, yeah. now it's actually treated against the law. Before Blacks. it wasn't. Yeah. You know, um, these mm. bills, these 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 grievous harm that's been coming to black people for years, as mm. they're only actually actually, you know, like for example, the um, Brianna Taylor now, the no not. Um, what is it? What was it? No, I think it's no, no knock, knock bill or like something like that. Um, and speaking of bills that they're passing and acts they're passing, let's just do, do how do we feel about the the um numerous bills and acts that are being passed um in light of you know this our modern day I would call it our modern day civil rights civil rights movement because a part of me is like yeah that's good another part of me is like you know when they say oh these are all the benefits of all the protests and the riots and everything and like another part of me is like I don't know when I and if you watch House of Cards you realize they do a lot of stuff to pacify people and if you you look at political (laughs) how how politics work 
I'm going to be saying... Oh, Look at Donald Trump, Trump. When, when, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. I think, wow. Yeah, we're making change. Like, how do we really feel about the fact that, yes, they are doing something. The government is doing something, you know? Mm-hmm. But to what end? Do we think that things are really changing or are we just trying to mitigate the violence and to pacify, you know? And just, they, they're going, oh yeah, here you go. Here's a, here's a crumb of my bread. Bruh, so all I can say about that is, I'm just going to say the truth, which is bills are only as effective as those that enforce them. So it's not the fact that you don't have a bill because you shouldn't actually, I feel as if there's a bill that actually says you should not be shooting people, you should not be killing people. It's not, it's, <laughs> I think that's a bit self-explanatory. You shouldn't be kneeling on someone's neck. R.I.P. George Floyd, R.I.P. Rihanna Taylor, R.I.P. Tony McDade and R.I.P. Nina Pop. But like, you shouldn't be kneeling on someone's neck to cause, um, to cause death. Like, I feel as if that's fairly self-explanatory, right? But bills are only as valuable as the people that enforce them. And mm-hmm. so in, when, you, when you think of this, you have to think, okay, so if the issue is not with the bill, it's not necessarily writing something, it's how can you get it enforced? Because even on a basic level, imagine, right, that like there's a bill of no stealing. But each time you went into the shop, they said, okay, if you steal, you're going to jail. But each time you went into the shop, you can have CCTV, you will go past CCTV with all the goods in the shop on your head. And then they don't do anything to you because they're like, oh, we don't care. We're getting another shipment tomorrow and this is just spare goods that we're just throwing in the bin. Hmm. It's only going to be as good as the people that enforce them. And then therefore, I think that there needs to be a, mat- a, a massive change, like almost like an abolishment of the way that we think about enforcing laws and with the way that we think about it, it, like enforcing these systems. Like, okay, look at Eric Garner, right? New York, like technically, I don't know that much about like American politics. And when I say that much, I'm like, I'm not, um, I don't know as much about like the actual bills. And obviously, I don't know, to be honest, I want to be knowing more before I speak more. But I do know that like before Eric Garner died, I think he died in 2014. But before Eric Garner died, there was, mm, bruh, there, bruh, there was a no chokehold bill, the same bill that like the the government or the state in Minneapolis is trying to enforce, like you can't have an, you can't choke somebody to die. Cause Eric Garner's last words were literally, I can't breathe. What were George Floyd's last words? Words, I can't breathe. There's, there was a no chokehold law with Eric Garner's death. Has Eric Garner, has anything happened? Because there's a no chokehold law? Are those people still not running free and wild? So sometimes you have to ask yourself, it actually doesn't matter how many things you write down, who is going to enforce it? Who the hell is going to enforce it? And if you can't trust the people that are enforcing it, you need to maybe take a look at the whole system and think, well, if, if this whole thing is corrupt, then we need to start again. But that's my view. Like, yeah, no, I, 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 do, I do get that. Um, yeah. And I, I'm in full agreement with that. Yeah, um, but maybe like, someone can try and find another way that's like not as radical, but like in the meantime, it's only as good as people that enforce it. If, if you have a system that is literally saying to you like, like cops can be on camera killing black people. Do you know how wild that is? Like he literally, now I have not watched that video and I refuse to watch that video. Hmm? I definitely watched it and I literally mm-hmm. I had I really had that that oh, moment that I, I was silent for like probably about half an hour mm. just sitting there thinking did I just watch 
is this is this a movie or is this real or is you this knelt on someone's neck for eight eight minutes 42 seconds eight and you looked dead in the camera and obviously and i've he seen you had this did you see anyways, hands on his hips with authority like I've seen enough like images and I've seen enough and I've read enough like accounts as to what happened to kind of have an idea. I don't need to watch it because I don't, I also don't believe that we should really be watching like the brutalization and like the almost like the sexualization of black murders. But mm -mm, it, it almost, it almost feels like a bit like trauma porn. Like I'm like, mm -mm, I don't need to see black people dying for me to know that my people dying is real. I don't need to see black people dying to know that my people, like I have grief whenever I see these things. The grief that hits me, the anxiety that hits me when I see these things is un unprovoked. I don't need to. I don't need to view the death to know that it was real. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm in two points about that. Um, I don't need to see. It. I'm. I agree with you. I don't want to see it. I, it's. It's like this is. It's something that you. You just need to tell me another black person has been brutalized by the police. I, that's. I'm good with that. Mm. But I do think that if this wasn't televised, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, I do I agree do, with that. But I also think that's also so sad. It's very no. It is it's a very sad. something in life. There's sad something sad about that. Shouldn't be the place. Yeah. Shouldn't mm. be. It should. You should have to see it. And even then, sometimes it's. He's not the first. It's not the first death. And he won't be the murder. last. And it won't be the last that's captured on camera. That somehow, somehow, in the when they're doing when when it goes to court, they're still looking for further evidence. What is more? What is, is more yeah. evidence to you? Than, mm. than an unadulterated footage of somebody committing a crime. Mm. Yeah, they, I mean, this alleged forgery they're talking about, I'm sorry, but I, I'm still... Wait, forgery? Uh, you know what? I don't even keep up with this. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it was for alleged forgery. Um, and that's why he was actually being arrested in the first place. Oh, you know? wow. But yet... They, oh, um, no, George Floyd. Yes, yes. I thought you yes, meant like that someone is saying that they forged the death. Oh, no, wow! No, so it's, it's like it's like it's the evidence is there, and now it's what's it called manslaughter. Mm. Right. Um, but, like, but yeah, like, mm. so no, go on, no, I feel like I don't know. It's it's really sad to think that of all the black people that are killed at the hands of the police, like ninety nine percent of them go scotch free. Like, look, George Zimmerman literally killed Trevon Martin, killed a thirteen year old boy. And his career right now, his career is signing, signing Skittles. The same Skittles that killed Trevon Martin. That's, the, that's his career. His career is jumping about from place to place, signing them Skittles. In the name of what? In the name of supremacy and madness. In the name of complicity. He sued the family for defamation of character. He's, how can you sue a family for defamation of character on something that you've done? wild and then you're telling me that like you like and then as a black person I feel as if like even though this is like wild on a level as a black person it feels very somber to hear that this is the way the world values you like this is what the world thinks of you that somebody can kill someone that looks like you a boy a 13 year old boy that looks like you a mm -hmm. someone that could be your brother your cousin your your nephew on the basis of his skin tone and then he then makes a career out of it by selling the things that like sick isn't even the words sick is not even the words
Speaking of sickness, right, this then leads quite nicely onto the conversation I was having with my dad this morning, actually regarding the people who are going to, um, I think Akala was calling it a draw out, um, the the, the, um, protests um, on Saturday that will be met with the anti, I don't know what they're called, um, I want EDL. The EDL. The EDL Um, my face. EDL my face. And they're going to be they're going to be fighting against the um what's the oh, we're in a race war the erection the erection of statues of of um people like <laughs> when you think about it you're like what are you grasping on for I won't correct myself. These people were very very much I won't even say complicit. Some of these people were fully fully active in the slave trade. I mean, the active people, beneficiaries of slave trade, slave traders themselves. And we are- They said I traded. Yeah. And and, and it's like, so, and then these people are, they're the heroes of these EDL people. They're the heroes, (laughs) English heroes, British heroes, heroes of the United Kingdom, heroes (laughs) of slave trade, heroes of, you know, they're responsible for building the economy to what it is. You know, the victors for your country. So it's like, Cool. You know what I was actually liking it to? I was liking it to the erection of a statue of um, Hitler in the middle of Germany. Which can't be done. A middle of a Jewish, some Jewish community. Mm. And, um, or maybe it was already there. It was there before, maybe after, you know, you know, tension has calmed down a little bit. And it's like, he's that person. This statue is a constant reminder of the trauma Mm. that these people have faced. For them to now, for us to be in the situation where we're like, you know what, right? Enough is enough. We're trying. We're really trying to tackle this from the foundations mm. of where it started. Mm. And actually, how would how we're going to do this? We're, we're taking the statue down because what they represent is oppressive. These things are mm. oppressive. But then a group of people are like, nah, these are our heroes. So they're going to fight against it. And you have to really just think to yourself, like, I don't know. I I I I I really don't know. Like, I feel as if. Even though prior to Corona, prior to the new civil rights movement, the uprising that's going on at the moment, even though prior to all of this, we've been knowing that people have very, very skewed, not politics, but very, very skewed moral systems. But I feel as if like this whole period just puts it into like great perspective, like how skewed if somebody's telling you like look this is what this thing like this is who this person is like look this man is like literally a slave trader like (laughs) like maybe we should think and it's not even the fact that it's with most of these statues right that are up it's not even that people haven't been campaigning to take them down democratically before take for example the edward colston statue that fell down in bristol um (laughs) but like that edward colston statue that like fell into the river that's my story i said what i said i'm gonna say what the media says that allegedly fell that allegedly <laughs> that allegedly fell oh my gosh i was watching the news and i was i was literally watching the news and what what did they say about um derek chauvin because he um he 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 was obviously kneeling on george floyd's neck anybody with mm-hmm. anybody with two eyes can see that he kneeled on george floyd's neck until he killed him he was he was alive in the beginning of, the, of that video he was dead by the end right 
And then on the news, they said, Jarek Chauvin, who allegedly kneeled on, I said, allegedly. Wow, that's the new language I'll be using. That word allegedly is too triggering for me. That word allegedly <laughs> is so triggering. It is, it's like gaslighting. It's like, you guys didn't see what yeah. happened. How can you mm-hmm. gaslight someone? Anyway, so the, the, the statue that allegedly was torn down, that's what I'm saying now. Because like, it, it can be up. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> so like, there's the statue that was allegedly torn down um, and, um, and tripped and fell into the harbour. Uh, like, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but like that's how the news is sounding the news is always like hmm, Derek Chauvin who allegedly allegedly done what you guys saw that video he done it we all saw it like we all saw it you know the only alleged part is whether or not he meant for this man to die that's no he, he did he did because how can someone tell how can like everybody around you is screaming at you he can't breathe the man himself is telling you i cannot breathe ah if you're there you're you're mad um anyway so the 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 statue that was put into the harbor um it's more so an example of i don't know i just think to myself like i understand like history is means different things to different people um but if like why don't we critically examine what our history does why don't we critically look at the lens of history and think to ourselves okay so this guy like edward colston did he do a great thing like statues whenever you see a statue everybody knows no one looks at a statue and thinks hmm this is a statue of this person i'm gonna learn more about them statues are mainly for veneration they're there to memorialize people of the past it's it's not a form of oh like like it's not like a book a statue isn't a book that you can go in and learn most people that see a statue probably won't even think twice about who that person they'll be like oh they, they're probably just a famous person who's done person good of things importance. yeah person yeah. of importance that really, done really good, good that done yeah, a good thing exactly so mm. that's what somebody i read it again someone's saying like when people the people who are going well why are we destroying you know historical relics like if you want to know what this person did go and read a book go and read a book or like you better yet like may or like why don't get and praise potentially mm. and or admire like, why are you not there to admire bro go to the history the history book section everyone has a library there's a library in every every, every local council go to a library and read about these people right. save the libraries but like <laughs> <laughs> save the libraries um no but like i also do feel as though like with these with these books and like you learning about those people why then isn't there a statue of the slaves i'm not saying that's a good idea by the way but i'm just saying like if we're saying about memorializing why don't you want to learn more about that part? Because I'm sure, like, oh, those eighty-four thousand people and the nineteen thousand people that he threw that he, that his company was complicit in throwing off the seas. Oh God, people that throwing could them over- throwing them overboard. No, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, bro, or like bro. some of them. Ah, uh, y'all are dying. Y'all are dying. Time to go. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> You guys are dying. You're dying. Like, oh, this one has disease. It's time for it to... Like, what does that mean? Like, such a dehumanization of, like, black life. And then you're thinking to yourself, this is who you want to... Commor- um, this is who you want to memorialize without memorializing 
the truth in like all of their history because you don't look at that it's like oh oh it's really unfortunate that he was a slave trader but on the flip side he done all these other good things which were fantastic so that's great but you the backs of him. okay so yeah this was i was actually this such this honestly like there's just so much for me to learn i have a lot of learning to do like talking person, i was saying this this is my history so actually while we're doing this like just delving into like history i haven't lived in this country for i didn't live here all my life um i lived in nigeria for a little while um and <laughs> and so i remember when i moved here you know like i actually did not experience racism in my life until my teenage and i didn't even know imagine to be so ignorant i didn't have this i was i was having an open, another open discussion and i said i didn't have any you know when you recognize that you are a different race as in they're, they're, they're multiple races that you're different from other people i didn't know all that stuff as a kid i lived here i was born here and i lived here for a while um, so i was four moved back to nigeria everybody else looked like me i had no inferiority complex i have i had no i didn't feel oppressed in any way shape or form everybody was like me the rich were richer the poor were poorer it's just what it was you know the how, how life is there is inequality everywhere fine you know but i remember watching movies and then seeing that oh there are people in this world with lighter skin and and different hair textures it was through movies that i was introduced to people of other races mm. um and i remember there was a time where i actually did develop this sort of like um inferiority complex when it came to like it, it, the racial disparities because in the movies i was watching which were some of them were set in the 80s was um i was seeing how you know white people were kind of i guess they always had the roles of the protagonists the main roles um and i did my first experience of the n-word was from movies and i was like okay so that seems like a derogatory term that seems like something that's negative you know you know the black people weren't portrayed as people that you'd want to be you know in a movie where you're like you'd want to be this character you want to be the protagonist the person you like you want to be like they were never like that so i always questioned it but i was always like these movies were american so i was like oh that sounds like it's an american thing and i don't understand why this is the case so obviously when i moved here i still didn't know about you know that i was different or in any way inferior to other races um and i think maybe understanding the dynamics and feeling like i didn't really fit in with you know i always felt like i'd gravitate towards the black people i didn't fit in with the with um people outside my race um obviously my first experience of being racially abused um on the streets of london that was great um and then and um what else was i gonna say and then i don't know how i found myself going into history you know, because it was never taught to me. I never knew anything about the civil rights movement, never knew anything about slavery, never knew anything about the history of black people. Um, and I think it was maybe discussions, maybe overhearing conversations and maybe the friends I made along the way that were kind of like, it, they, it prompted me to want to go do the research. So I basically downloaded yeah years of oppression over like the space in the space of two years i'm telling you it was like a download as in 80 percent complete i'm still downloading guys um but i remember just thinking that's probably why now i'm still dealing with the trauma i'm still unpacking everything that i'm still learning because there's a lot of it that i wasn't privy to and i have to go and do the research myself knowing full well that this research is also potentially adulterated because who who wrote this these a lot of these history books the right 
my favorite my favorite quote is until the <laughs> until the lion has its historian the hunter will always remain the hero that's like one of my favorite quotes of all time you need to tell history oh, from an okay. objective lens you need to tell mm. it from an objective lens like and you only learn things by looking at the past and looking at the past in an unobjective lens i've realized like through this whole time of this uprising, it's really made me question what I view as neutrality. So what you view as technically neutral is actually quite complicit because in order for it to be neutral, you need to actually see the other lens and look at it fully. If, if you're saying, oh, I only want to read page one and page 84, but the book has 365 pages, that's not neutral. It's not neutral. You're only reading what you want to read and like, oh, that's uncomfortable. I'm not going to read that. So I think that like, especially your experience of coming from a society that was severely heterogeneous, like, but basically meaning that everybody kind of looked like you, but then that's also interesting because, okay, scientists, I like a bit of social anthropology here, but like, it's really, really cool because in Nigeria specifically, we're both Nigerian, but in Nigeria, they, they have like, I think 250 or 360, not too sure, but different ethnicities. There's so many people packed in one space, but you have noticed that everyone here is different. So in the sense of everyone here is the same, despite you all technically being genetically very, very different. So it's like this, um, knowing that race is a concept that isn't attached to you because there isn't the attachment of the otherness that makes your race the binary opposite. Like it's it's interesting how your how your intersections and how your experiences of race are like shaped by coming from a society that is fairly just like looking as like looking like one. Like basically, I was like on this webinar the other day, like by this really awesome collective called like Race and Health, and I will link it in our Instagram and like part of the infographic that we do. Um, it's absolutely awesome, and there were they were talking about how race intersects with health and healthcare across from people from different aspects or different parts of the world. So there was someone from the UK and they, these people were black. They were also Asian as well. So the people from someone from the UK, someone from America, somebody from Nigeria, someone from Sri Lanka. And I think, yeah, I think there were two people from the UK. So that made up the whole plan all. And they discussed and the person from Nigeria specifically said that okay Nigeria doesn't necessarily have a problem with racism in the way that we know it in the west but they have a problem with um and there I quote let me quote their actual words because I thought that was really really interesting they were talking about how Nigeria has a problem more so with like tribalism and tokenism not tokenism so they more so have a problem with tribalism because it's it's a case of who gets access to what medications? Who gets access to X, Y, Z? Um, a bit about Nigeria's history. Nigeria was, um, when Nigeria uh, was independent, forgot the year. 1960. Yeah, 1st of October, 1960. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry about that misinformation. But like, Nigeria was taken over by a series of military coups and that was kind of focused on um like after the after the, the, the after independence there was a succession of military coups which meant that people from different the way Nigeria was split was unequal so the northern part of Nigeria always has more land 
um, and therefore has more people. And so if you're going to split Nigeria to look like a parliament, it would be that the northern part of it would always have more seats because there are more people there. So you're always going to have more seats and it was unequal to the southern parts. And like it was kind of not split in partisan lines. Well, not partisan lines. It was not split equitably. So you know, like, kind of just lumped all people that kind of spoke Igbo together, lumped all people that kind of spoke Yoruba together, lumped all, pe all people that kind of spoke Hausa together, lumped all people that kind of spoke, like, you know, um, Efik, uh, Ibibo, Ibibudu, I can never say that word, um, Rivers, hmm? Abo, okay, like, yeah. lumped them together and said Delta, Rivers. <laughs> and then, like, he said, ah, y'all, peace, have joy, have peace, have prosperity. Of course, things didn't work out like that. <laughs> and there were a series of like coups and people from different um, different ethnicities in Nigeria were like, hmm, these people don't like us. So we're going to like, you know, use the military to take over the country and do X, Y, Z. But those types of mentalities and th that type of like understanding has trickled down a lot into Nigerian behavior. So even though like the northern part of Nigeria is actually the poorest part of Nigeria compared to the southern part, um, and therefore, because of that, they don't have access to equitable healthcare. In the in the minds of like everyday Nigerians that are like walking the streets in Lagos, say you ask them, oh, how do people in the north feel? They'll be like, ah, these people are living life. They're living lavish because in their heads, it's like, oh, in Parliament, they're bare Awasa people. Clearly, they must have the best life. Of course, I'm paraphrasing from this quote, this um, webinar that I put that that I watched, so I'll share it with y'all. But um, I think that's like really interesting in terms of like you having such a heterogeneous or like everybody is black so you're not even thinking about race that much and how that intersects with your experiences and how mm -hmm. even in Nigeria a place where everybody looks like you there's still differences but you might not have been privy to know exactly how those might have affected or maybe you did I don't know we've never had this conversation yeah, I was, I was too young yeah, true. Yeah, I was like, Truth be honest, you were like, <laughs> not even ignorant. You were young, and it's okay to be young. It's not ignorance. It's just like, bro, I was seven. What am I? What am I doing? Like ignorant in the sense that children don't know. They don't know to be young. Oh, okay, you know cool. what I mean? Yeah, I thought you meant ignorance in the sense of like, I'm a dog. Sometimes ignorance, ignorance is always not always negative. Like you just, you just true. don't know to be knowing. There's the intentional ignorance, and the one that's just you just happen to be until you're not anymore. Which yeah, is, that's which true, is where. Um, but yeah, so wow, this has been like, I mean, I didn't really know where this was going to go, but we've been talking sense. a lot about stuff and it's actually I don't even know how long we've been talking. Hope y'all you found it interesting. Right. Um, yeah. So this is just, I mean, it's going to take a lot of conversations to really touch on what we would like, I mean, to touch on this. This is a conversation that's, there's no final points of this. It just mm. keeps going. Mm. The thread, it keeps going. You keep being able to, you know, to, 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 Mm. You guys, I'm doing an action or motion that you guys can't see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I feel like we've we've kind of done a little intro. This is this is of course this is kind of at the forefront of our of our thoughts and our conversations right now because it's it's just the time that we're in. Yeah, um, and it's really, really important to have these discussions and you know um, educate each other because we don't really be knowing about a lot of things and this is how we this is actually how we we do that. We have mm. conversations with ourselves with other people, mm -hmm. um, and hopefully we can all kind of you know. You, the minute you stop learning you might as well be dead do you know what I mean bro so um, yeah yeah so, like it's it's been really good I think 
bruh, we should actually be in rec- <laughs> we should have actually been writing stuff down. But like what I our key take home messages are our key I think of the first thing is that there's beauty in friendship that um expands and grows over time. Like if you would have taught actually no, I, I think that's a lie. I knew that like after the first year of knowing you, you that you were like a sister to me. Cause I'm like, yo, oh, like okay so thank you for listening to our podcast please follow us on spotify and i and i music i don't know to be honest podcast yeah okay bye i i've been veronica you're ruining me you're ruining me Okay, let's oh, go again. Okay. So, like, yes, after yes, the first yes. year of knowing you, <laughs> Michonne, <laughs> you know what? Like, you know when somebody's trying to swallow their smile and then the smile just. Like... <laughs> 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 you still have your dimple, this is why then you're smiling. <laughs> oh, I'm yelling. Okay, anyway, but like, no, let me be honest, let me be truthful. Like, the first year of knowing you, I always knew that you'd be like, um, a sister to me like I always knew and then obviously there were periods of times where I was just like oh my god I'm angry rage go away but then I still feel like that there was an understanding that I just knew that like regardless of like you'd always be there <laughs> Like you, you like there's a beauty in friendship that evolves and expands with you over time. There's a beauty in friendship where you show up regardless, and you're always accepted as you are. Um, like even if you be knowing or you don't be knowing, like you just be having a safe space to kind of speak in that way. There's like a beauty in that, and I'm so grateful that I have found, or I know that to be a space that we share yeah so that's that's the first take-home message the second one is like you know racist bad doing anti-racist work good uncomfortable <laughs> racist bad if we're really gonna take it back to the cave, cave and racism bad racism bad anti-racism good anti-racism uncomfortable anti-racism like that the truth of the matter is that anti-racism work is actually very uncomfortable it's actually not meant to make you feel comfortable it's not meant to make you feel good about yourself it's not meant to make you feel like you're doing the right thing it like because it growth growth is actually meant to be uncomfortable if you're if you feel like you're growing and simple if you're like yeah i'm just maturing and i'm growing and it's very easy and it's seamless growth is not meant to be seamless you know actually in terms of any type of growth you know like you for, for the for you gym heads out here if you're trying to grow them gluteus muscles and, and you need to put the work in and it's going to hurt and you're going to feel like you've ripped something that you didn't even know was there in the first place mm. it's uncomfortable in Mate. terms of learning a new skill you need to put the time you need to put the work in you need to sometimes sacrifice certain things in order to get it it's uncomfortable but mm. it's for the good the, the good of the future you know, in any walk of life. So it's like, 
these should not be palatable conversations for you. A lot of people who are, mm -mm. I like matter. I don't like that they're accusing me of racism. It's uncomfortable because you don't like to, you're just all we're doing is shining the mirror in your face and you're not liking what you're seeing, so you're complaining. What yeah. you're seeing is there regardless, just because you don't like it. it, it it's that? still there. Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is that black people are still dying. Like, it, mm -hmm. you can like it or you don't like it. We're still dying. Like, what's the truth? Like, you either do something about it or you just complain in the corner and go, to, go away. <laughs> It hurts less for you. It actually, it like, actually hurts I mean, less for you just for seeing it. Exactly. It hurt less for you. I'm not going to lie. It's, death is painful. So if your feelings <laughs> are hurt, like, you are dying. Uh, like. Feeling, like, <laughs> feeling like everywhere that you go, like you have eyes on you to be either behave like, not like, you know, like the best black. Oh God, even though I hate that term, I am not the best black. I even try hard not to be the best one. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like you know like even having all those eyes on you even being very 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 aware of the skin that you're in and very very aware well when let me say this specifically in white spaces and black spaces they're not like this like very very aware of the skin that you're in very very aware of like the connotations that it holds being a black woman in, in a spaces that are like predominantly where people just don't look like you. Like, I think that like, it, it's a lot easier to look at yourself and like, even though it's really, really uncomfortable. And even though like a lot of the anti-racist work isn't necessarily posted on Instagram, it isn't like, re it, it's, it's that work of severe introspection. Because mm -hmm. even me, like as a black person, like I have to think about like how much I have like recently, like, with this whole uprising stuff, I'm really looking at myself critically. And I'm thinking, yo, how have you been upholding these systems without knowing? Like sometimes someone will word something so eloquently, you're like, fuck, have I been doing this? Like, with, have I been up also upholding a system that's like negative to myself? Have I been saying words like, so we, we know like anti-blackness and colorism is so rife, like in the black community. We know that like, you know, saying colorist remarks like, oh, about people that are dark skin, like, like cussing their skin tone, but still like even thinking so uncomfortably about yourself like that, that is still a way of upholding racist ideals. Of course, black people can't be racist to other black people. Racism is about prejudice and power. We do not have power in any system in this world. We, do, we are not powerful. We're only grasping. Please, let, mm -hmm. let's not do that. But still, it's just like, how have I still been uphold? That work is hard. Because you're black, it doesn't just mean that you automatically get it, by the way. It ain't it. We still, there's, there, there's some of us who are still shocking and jiving on the sun. Honestly, just, just, did you, you know, we you know when they talk about the black card, the black card, I'm not, I'm going to tell you now, no one holds that card. Nobody holds that card. card. There ain't no card like the black card. <laughs> if there was a card like the black card, I would love to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so growth is going to be uncomfortable. We need to really look within ourselves. We need to look and try and, and, you know, think about the people. So yes, we want change, but we need to take responsibility to, you know, advocate for this change, everybody. Um, and of course, anyone in position of power, because we are there, we are the citizens, you know, it's the, like literally like, number one, how we can do it is, is also how we vote, how we get involved in politics and actually mm. what, what the input that we have as, as a community of people, as the citizens, you know, mm. sometimes I even think about my role as my job. I was about to say what I do. It's like, how can I be, a an influential black woman in my field how can i do something that make it makes a difference for blackness even the smallest of things yeah you but know, it's, it's, like, it's also like 
yeah I agree I also do feel like it's like how can I change this but also I do want to say like for black people listening as well it's not everybody that's called to change like and when I say change I mean like not all of us are like going to be the activists of our time in our specific fields change can be change is just as powerful as changing yourself yes that is just that is even even more powerful than you think like we're we're biology nerds epigenetics of trauma (laughs) epigenetics basically means like the way your genes literally change in your womb dependent on well michelle you're the epigenetics person changes that happen to your genetic programming outside the um to your genetic code or your genetic makeup outside Mm. of what you were pre-programmed with so like you can make you know so for example if you're looking at your genetic code and it's like you're looking at the dna sequence and it's like this is how it's made you can't change that this is the mm. sequence of what these epigenetics is the changes that happen outside that that you can change so mm. where you were having a b c and mm. you can attach an l to the c that l is the change you make outside your actual framework of who you are mm. so you can't just, you can't be yes you're stuck with what you are there's some parts you cannot change but there's some parts you can make changes to you can amend you can um amplify or you can mm. what's the opposite of amplifying you know you can suppress who knows you can suppress you yeah can you can suppress you. yeah mm. yeah you absolutely can you can put something on it and it blocks the expression and it blocks them yeah and like so, absolutely. the way like i actually heard like this tweet the other day and i'm like wow like every time you break a destructive habit or pattern your ancestors immediately are released from that pain along with you current and future genetic offsprings will inherit a revised genetic code you are not only healing yourself you are healing the current the past and the future amen amen like black people mm. i think i don't know how we can top that that is bro i like that i like that we think that just by pardon can we put that as a little nice quote on a as a nice infographic on our yeah we'll put it as an infographic and we'll also link some maybe we can um well that that could be a fun fact for us to like relive our university stuff about like maybe a quick thing on like what is epigenetics and then we could kind of link it on the infographic stuff yeah that'd be cool yeah yeah that'd that'd be be cool. cool um and then um like literally like resistance is like resistance is small like resistance is even resistance is genuinely self-care for black people like it's like yo regardless of like what you guys are going to say about even my hair regardless about like what is going on i'm going to take some time for myself and i'm going to breathe do you know how revolutionary that is because this system literally wants you to die like it literally wants you to be like ah i'm at my neck i'm a black <laughs> the world <laughs> the oppressed <laughs> and like literally in spite of that do you know how beautiful it is that like as black people like despite all that bullshit we literally make the blueprint like we do we are the people that made the rhythm for um the rhythm and blues we are the people that oh my god we don't it blows my mind we are so rich so i don't i don't literally even though some people are called to literally change their workplaces some people are called to change their um their the the local environments that they're in some people are called to change the um world if you're called to change yourself which is the which is literally the most revolutionary and biggest thing you can do please do it like please that is so big I'm not called for overt activism. It's not my, it's not my bag. And I've recognized it and I've, mm-hmm. I'm working on not 
too hard on myself for not being an overt activist but yep. how can i what can i do within myself what can you shine do? through because it just has to shine through within me michelle does michelle mm-hmm. in the best way michelle can do michelle mm-hmm. and it shines through and it makes an impact on the people that see michelle doing michelle that's literally what i'm trying to be about exactly like it, michelle and i in the space like there's some people that are literally called for it and if you know you know when you, someone is called for something because you're looking at them and you're like oh. I don't wow. think that's me. <laughs> I do not think it's. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> like you're looking at them and you're like you're stressed for them. It's not as if they're not stressed, but they know that it's them. So it's yeah. like even like Michelle and I are like doing our podcast. Like now we're more so doing it in the sense that this is stuff we're passionate about. But I wouldn't actively go out and say like, "Yo, like this is this is like my like even though black people are my activism, they're my pride, they're my joy." Mm-hmm. But it's it's not necessarily that it's just a different way to be like I don't also want to be labeled in the box of like we're activists with this we're we're literally just black people black women that are just doing Mm -hmm. stuff that are close to our hearts um by speaking with each other and inviting you guys in this conversation it Mm. we're just helping helping someone know some more stuff exactly i just also want to say i was actually saying this to my dad today that we had a nice little conversation this morning, didn't we um and i was like i think that in terms of like my own owning my blackness right mm. and literally like going into it being so introspective about ways that i have been anti-black towards myself and towards other people you know mm. and all this the subtle anti-blackness the 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 internal anti-blackness I really let go of that going that's the one significant thing that and this is where it started it actually started with my friendship with Veronica where I I met someone who was she was my first experience of an unapologetically black woman and it was I'm not I and I said it honestly I said this and I was like wow and I overheard my dad actually telling my mom about the conversation we had this morning um because we share a wall um and i was like and i was like you were my first experience of someone who was so unapologetically black I, like i admired you you know oh, and i still do thank today. you and that's you know and she i've learned so much from my friendship with this girl i've learned and, and it just like i always i want to be better for myself and f- just you know sometimes when you see someone it's like it doesn't it doesn't threaten me it makes me look forward to being a better version of myself you know someone who is so pro-growth you know and pro unlearning and learning and it's just like it it kind of allowed me to unlock parts of me that maybe were lying dormant because I think it was all within me but it was just like sometimes you don't have to exercise parts of yourself that you don't necessarily need and I realized with her she made me need more of my growth and I started unlocking parts of myself. And I have other friends who have definitely contributed to that. But that was my first experience with session not watching about these mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> watching someone and just my thinking, wow, she's just like a blossoming, melanated flower that I really oh. want to be around. And that's why I've been chasing her. So if she tells you I assaulted her with friendship, yes, I did. And. <laughs> okay. So, <Do> me. Um... <laughs> So I will be pressing charges. But is done on that one, baby. <laughs> done. Okay, okay. This is why it's important to have laws and people that enforce the laws well. Um, so, 
No, but on, <laughs> on, on, a real, on a real, thank you so much. That was actually so beautiful. Um, and I'm so, I'm so grateful. I don't want it to be like, you know, <sighs> compliment season, because you know that that's my birthday. Your birthday has passed and we've done enough. So, um, not in the, oh my God, I'm so bad. I need to improve. Okay, but no, let me be real. Woo, woosa. Hmm. Okay. Um, that was so beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that, like, that is the effect that our friendship has had on your life. Because I think about, like, I think about, our friendship and me like you've you've literally taught me how to be compassionate I am so Taurus I don't care if you guys say that's not a real trait it's a trait yeah at me at me at me um it's a trait like I'm so I'm so black and white like I am so yo like my biggest struggles in life is actually sometimes realizing that there's gray but even though I can realize it quite literally but for me personally I'm like Mm, this is wrong I don't know what you're doing this if this is wrong like you should stop doing this this is wrong well I don't think that this is true so you know you've taught me so much about compassion and the beauty of like forgiveness and also just like being like you're so yourself you are so like you are somebody that some that like someone could say like let's just go to Scotland tomorrow okay corona like notwithstanding no Dominic Cummings thing but like you, you just like vanish to Scotland tomorrow because someone like was, you're so free spirited. And I think that is just so, like I look at you and I'm just like, rah, like, Mazeline, is it possible to be this type of human being? Okay, scheme, let's be moving, let's be moving, let's be moving. And <laughs> it's so interesting that I think that it, it it, 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 our friendship is like moving to a place where we are we've learned so much about each other in this like but like essentially a decade of friendship like we've learned mm-hmm. so much about each other in these like eight years that it's moving on to a stage now like we really know who we are and then yes. it's like oh. yeah then, then we move I feel as if this is why like I feel as if marriage if, if you're with the right person marriage gets saucier after age marriage yeah. gets saucier with age because the more you know you know? so how can how like re- relationships are like stewed they taste better over time yeah not and, when and the mold is growing such that. a good point actually mm-hmm. it takes two people who number one are open-minded even if at the beginning you are not open-minded patient there's a patience. bit of resilience that comes with it and, mm. and resilience you know and always trying to re- try to remind yourself like we do now like you know and it seems like we're always showering ourselves with compliments but it's like reminding a reminder yeah and then choosing to see them for this person that you love bro constantly mm-hmm. because they're going to be times where it's rocky and honestly you can really get caught up in the negative that it really bro. really outshines the positive the years and the signal you know when it's just like it's 30 percent negative at a particular point in time but for whatever reason because of that's the that's the view you're looking at mm. everything else turns sour and mm. i think that that's the one thing we've done very well in our friendship is that we have always through thick and especially through thin somehow like number one like we went in the thin times yeah when i when <laughs> was like, in, in the time where it's scanty like a prime <laughs> like a frayed thread a frayed frayed last bit of thread that we were holding on to by our friendship and it was like 
none of us chose to let go. So when one person was like, you Actually, know what, I'm letting go. Michelle, Michelle, okay, wait, wait, like, yeah, let wait, me wait, wait don't rewrite history because one of us chose to let go. <laughs> one of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's not point. One, I just said it now. Somebody let go and the other person said, uh-uh, bring, where, where do you think you're going with that hand? Hold it. Hold, hold this thread, goddammit. <laughs> And that's where it, but that's what it is. Like sometimes it's not going to be two people fighting. It's going to be one person, but so you, you, and, and, and that's, and that's, that's how we've come this far though. Because mm. even when we, we have almost lost ourselves, we, some person, a person, because there's always been the love there. And I think mm. that's why I was able to worm my way <laughs> back into this friendship. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, well, you, now we know who let go of the thread. Now okay. we know. <laughs> I said, I said, God damn, I'm exposing myself. Um, <laughs> no, but, but we thrive. Cool. Like, we, honestly, mm. we thrive. And um, yeah, this, this, I'm really, really looking forward to what this podcast has in store for us. Yeah, it's going to be sexy. This is going to be an. Ex- this is it's going to be an experience, and I really kind of hope that you guys really get to. Um, one see what like like a very a very healthy a very beautiful thriving friendship between two black women looks yeah? like uh, this is what it would be looking like i mean we're not the ideal you know we don't have what but we're our like. ideal we're literally our but ideal we, yeah we are, we're our ideal exactly yeah. like a and healthy friendship you know borderline sisterhood um and mm. also watch us enjoy listen to us learn about things that we don't be knowing mm-hmm. and, uh, i hope you're, um, you're you're safe in the knowledge that like as long as you're not like racist misogynist misogynoirist let's even add mm-hmm. this one transphobic queerphobic uh-uh. gender non-conform uh, we don't we don't tolerate any of that in this house but aside from that you can join us in this um, process of not be knowing yes yeah. yes if you're any of those things so- that's not not be knowing that's oppressive Mm-hmm. that's exactly you can't you cannot you cannot hide, hide under the umbrella i don't know i don't know that that is literally find it out and not here this is this is a safe space find of love there, there's books outside um but yeah so um this is us and yeah. again and we are i am michelle and i am veronica and um this is what? No, no, Instagram. Oh, follow us on Instagram. I don't, uh, I don't know. To be honest, pod. And if you want to get in touch with us, um, we do have an email, which is I don't know. To be honest, tbh pod at gmail dot com. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, guys, we will see you on our next episode. Yeah. See you on. See you on the flippity flip.